When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? abundance lover, or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall, who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If at first you don't succeed, try it my way. No one's life is perfect, but mine is pretty close. Hello? I'm back. Ah, she's back. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from the season premiere of The Real Housewives of Orange County. Heather the Champs de Bro is back, and you know what I got to say about that? I have the no. chills. No. I have the fucking chills. That opening with that old school music and all of her old taglines and everything and walking through that big-ass house. They did a soft reboot on The Real Housewives of Orange County this season, and I cannot be happier because last season on Everything Iconic, we did not recap the show because it was so bleak. We had the COVID of it all, and 
Uh, we got rid of a lot of the people from last season. Bronwyn is no longer with us on the show. Kelly Dodd is no longer with us. That other woman, I don't recall her name, although I did watch every episode of the season. I don't remember that other cast member's name. She's no longer on the show. They got a bunch of new people, including one of Bronwyn's uh, ex-friends or lovers, unclear. She's on the show, but they did get rid of Bronwyn. And I got to be honest, I know a lot of the focus was on people saying, oh, Kelly Dodd's gone. People didn't want Kelly Dodd on the show anymore. And I feel the most relief that Bronwyn's gone, I'll be honest. And I liked Bronwyn at a time, but last season it got so dark, especially at the end of the reunion. She was offering Shannon's kids drugs or something like that. I'm not sure, but it all just got too uh, too bleak for me. And so I was happy that they softly rebooted, brought a bunch of new people in. Although I will say that there's three new people on this show, and two of them, I feel like I'm getting them mixed up a little bit. I was looking at my notes before we go, so I might get a thing or two wrong. Don't yell at me in the DMs. But there was like the Jen woman who's the runs the Botox Center or whatever, the med spa, whatever that is. And then there's also the woman who dated uh, Kid Rock at a time. And then we have the one, Noella, who was the one who was with Bronwyn or I'm trying to keep all these people straight, and I'm still trying to understand uh, the other ones. Shannon Storms Bador, no longer, nay, Bador. Uh, what, how do you say it? Shannon Storms, nay, Bador. Or wait. She got rid of Bador is what I'm trying to fucking say. She got rid of Bador. We got Gina Casita. We got Emily the Hip Simpson. And the husband, the bar got lowered, and he finally passed the bar. Only because it got lowered. That's the only reason Shane passed it. But at least he passed it. Although, I don't know that that makes me feel very safe living in California, knowing that he's practicing law just because they lowered the bar. I'm not sure that I want him. If I'm in a courthouse, I need to see Shane Simpson there, because now I know he could barely uh, went to the test a hundred fucking times, couldn't pass it. Anyway, the premiere felt fresh to me. The ending felt thrilling. I'm very excited to have Shamps back. Although I do have a couple complaints, and we're going to get to them this episode, because it wasn't all sunshine and roses. I do think that we were suspending a lot of disbelief for the whole cast of this and pretending that Shannon is friends with Hip and Casita now. And then she's saying she knew the uh, Nicole. And then, I mean, Heather's like, oh, Shannon was texting me out of the blue. And it's like, yeah, because she's on the cast. I just don't buy that Shannon's friends with any of them. And I think Shannon's a wet blanket. You know, I'm not a big fan of Shannon Storms, okay? At a time, I was. And I know those of you who are big fans of Storms, you're going to get mad at me this season because I do not care for Shannon. It's not my plate, you fucking bitch! You know, I just always feel like she's just at an 11. And I'll be honest, I might be at an 11 today as we're recording this podcast because I did get in the mail. High C, the people at High C, you know, the juice company, they sent me an Ecto Cooler, which I don't know if you remember, this was a flavor back in like the early 90s. They had this flavor of drink called High C Ecto Cooler with Slimer from Ghostbusters on the cover. And they sent me a bottle of it, and I thought, I'm going to try it here on the air. So I opened it up right before we started recording here, and I feel like, I don't know, I did a line of cocaine mixed with a pot of coffee. It's like truly just pure sugar. It's green sugar. I'm not sure what flavor it is, but it's making me a little nuts. And so I'm going to be bouncing up and down and round and round. And Let's go, girls. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to be annoying this episode. Oh, okay, so we're going to get into Orange County, but there is one thing I have to say. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. You can fast forward to this part if you're not interested, if you want to get to the Real Housewives stuff. But I got to tell you this quick story, because I went home and visited my family back in Ohio. Had a great time with my family, got to see my nieces and nephews, although we were going to do an escape room, and I just have to tell you, Linda Pellegrino, my mother, kept calling it the Situation Room. We didn't ultimately go. We couldn't get the reservation on time. Uh, but I just had to let you know my mom was calling it. She's like, are we going to be doing the Situation Room? 
I was like, Mom, it's an escape room. It's not quite the same thing. <laughs> but I love that she thought an escape room in Solon, Ohio. It's connected to a bowling alley, this escape room is. My mom was calling that a situation room. Anyway, so I'm home, and every time I'm home, I got to go through stuff. Old bins and stuff, boxes. My parents were getting rid of some stuff in their basement, and they were like, can you go through some of these boxes? One of the boxes that I went through, I found this old... uh container with all my CDs. What do you call it? A CD booklet or whatever. It had a bunch of mixed CDs that I made when I was a teen and in college. And I was going through it and I had totally forgotten. I found this one holiday mix. I thought, great, we're in the holiday season. Thanksgiving is past. Now I'm fully in Christmas music mode. And I think I told you guys on the podcast one time before that I had worked at Borders Books for years over the holiday season. So I would go home for college and I would work at the Borders Bookstore retail. It was a nightmare on like Black Friday. I remember the line would be back to the door. I couldn't even believe that Borders closed because every time I worked there, the line was fucking through the back of the room and around the corner. It was so many people there buying Planet Earth DVDs. Anyway, the one season that I worked there... Uh, over the loudspeaker, they would always play one of about two things. They'd play either that jazzy Christmas music that sounded like you were in the cafe, or there was one holiday season where they kept playing that Celine Dion Christmas album, These Are the Special Times, which, don't get me wrong, I love the Canadian queen, Celine Dion. I love her with all my heart and soul, but there comes a time in every gay man's life where they just can't hear any more of it, okay? And I, it's a thing that happens. It's just when it plays over and over and over again, and again, I love Celine Dion, uh, but there is a breaking point. You know, like the show on Oxygen Network says, uh, snapped. Everyone has a breaking point. Everyone has a breaking point. And eventually I got to the point where I couldn't hear that Celine Dion album anymore. It was that. And I remember they also played that one, A New Day Has Come. But that one I didn't get tired of. But when they played the Christmas album, I got tired of it. So I went to my manager at the time. I think her name was like Jennifer. Jennifer. I remember her name was like a long name and then people would call her by the shortened version of it. So somebody would say like, hey, Jen, and she'd be like, it's Jennifer. You know, she always corrected. It, it was like a real, okay, cool it, Jennifer. Uh, but she was a manager. And I remember at the time, I wasn't quite out yet. This was college, circa 2005-ish. I'd said, Jennifer, I can't hear the Celine Dion anymore. Can we at least play a Christmas music mix maybe with other divas? I said, I love Celine Dion, but maybe I, you can let me play a mix that I make with other Christmas diva songs. And Jennifer's like, she didn't know much about Christmas music or the holidays. So she's like, I don't know. What are there other diva songs? And I was like, yeah, Mariah Carey's got a whole holiday album. Uh, Whitney Houston's got a great version of Do You Hear What I Hear? There's so many. I was like, share. And then Jennifer asked me, she's like, what song does, what Christmas song does Cher have? So in that moment, I remember thinking, oh, the only Christmas song that Cher has that I can think of is from the Rosie O'Donnell Christmas album. So, okay, stay with me here. Get on the ride because this is going to be where I'm going to take you in a bunch of twists and turns with the story. So Rosie O'Donnell had two holiday albums when she had a talk show. One of those holiday albums, she duetted with Cher to Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home. And it's sort of at the Believe era, so it's an auto-tuned version. But it's Cher and Rosie singing Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home. So Jennifer, she asked me, when I said Cher's got a holiday record out, she said, what holiday song does Cher do? And in my head, I'm thinking, I can't say she's got a song on the Rosie O'Donnell Christmas album because I wasn't out yet at the time. And for some reason, I reasoned in my head that if I said from the Rosie holiday album... This woman, Jennifer, is going to judge me and think I'm gay. Which, meanwhile, of course, she's already thinking I'm gay. I'm recommending that we do a Divas Holiday playlist at the Borders Books and Music. So anyway, in my head, I'm thinking that's too gay to say. So then the 
what I blurt out doesn't make any fucking sense, but I blurted out. I was like, just like Jesse James, Cher's song is a Christmas song. I said, Cher's song, just like Jesse James, is a Christmas song. I don't know if you guys know the song. It's one of my favorite Cher songs. Cher doesn't really like to perform it famously, uh, but I think it's like a, a fantastic sort of country-esque song. And I'll be honest with you, the whole thing is a euphemism for Cher getting fucked. I mean, that's really what the song's about. She says, if you can give it, I can take it. Show me what that loaded gun is for. That's what she's singing in this song, uh, which is really just about her getting fucked. Which, who among us? Who among us? So I love that song, but I just blurted out that it was a holiday song. So this woman, Jennifer, she's like, well, I don't even know that song. She's like, what song is that? And I was like, it's a Christmas. It's a holiday song. She released it. It's a Jesse, just like Jesse James. It's Christmas. She's like, I, I don't know about that. And I go, oh, I'll play it for you. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, this is not going to go very far. I'm going to go get the song. During my lunch break, I go get the album from the store's shelves, Best to Share, whatever that greatest hits is. And in the break room, I put the CD in, and the Jennifer's busy. It's This is the holiday season of Borders, Books, and Music. She's got a 100 things going on. So I play the song for her, and literally as I'm standing there, I get one of those like jingle bell things. It's like the, I don't know, it's a jingle bell thing. And I'm sort of covertly playing it as the opening chords of just like Jesse James are playing. And I'm trying to trick Jennifer, but I'm assuming Jennifer's going to see me holding the fucking jingle bell and uh, jingling it. Jennifer's not paying any attention. She's like, okay, whatever, you could play it. Okay, you can make your playlist, whatever. Jennifer storms out of the back room. So now in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I got to make a whole holiday playlist uh, with a bunch of diva songs on it. And somehow I have to overnight become a music producer and create a Christmas version of Just Like Jesse James, which is not a Christmas song. Again, go listen to it. I'll play a little clip for you in a second. So overnight, somehow I fashioned myself into a music producer. And I, if, I believe, I'm trying to remember, forgive me, I don't remember the exact specifics. I believe it involved my karaoke machine and a karaoke version of Jingle Bells. But I somehow layered a Jingle Bell over shares just like Jesse James. Okay. I don't, I think we used maybe Napster or LimeWire or one of those services that gave us all uh, viruses on our family computers. And I somehow fashioned a holiday version of shares just like Jesse James. So I want to play, okay, I'm going to play like a little bit of it. So I found this CD with this on it, and it is truly unhinged, you guys. And the only thing I did was add a jingle. <laughs> the only thing I did was add a jingle bell to the back of the song. Like, so you just sort of faintly hear, you hear it in the beginning, and then you faintly hear it. And then it ends, and there's a funny thing that happens at the end, but you just faintly hear this jingle bell. And so... Then I went to Borders with this CD and we put it in the thing that went over the loudspeaker. And so throughout the day, the playlist finally came on when I was working that retail. And I remember just laughing so hard because there's just this fucking Jingle Bell version of Just Like Jesse James, which is about a woman getting fucked in the country, in the countryside by Jesse James. Uh, and it's playing in the Christmas holiday playlist. And so, okay, so let me just play like a little bit of the beginning so you guys can hear it. <laughs> You guys, do you hear the jingle bell coming in? That's it. <laughs> Just playing over the guitar. Why? 
So you hear it's just the same jingle bell repeated in the background of the whole song. And again, I just have to remind you all that that song's essentially about anal sex. The gays have really uh, reclaimed that song. And uh, a lot of gay men believe it's about anal sex. And I'm, I'm sorry to get grosser or, or to talk about butt sex with you guys. But that's a fact. The gay men, that's what they believe. Uh, myself included. I'm not sure if that was started, a, a rumor that was started by me only, but it is a rumor that exists. And because she's singing, I, if you can give it, I could take it. Show me what that load of guns is for. So that's what the song's about. And there's just this jingle bell in the back of it. So this is playing at Borders and it's busy holiday season. I'm trying to hear it. I'm checking people out with their Planet Earth DVDs and I'm just listening to this share version, just like Jesse James with the jingle bell in the background. And the end of the song, because I had to just layer a track over it, I didn't have the skills to be like doing all sorts of mixing problems or mixing stuff with it. But at the end of the song, because I bel- I'm pretty sure it was like a karaoke version of Jingle Bells that was playing at, uh, that was playing over it. That's where I got that sort of like jingle bell thing. And so at the very end of it, Santa comes in and you guys, I'm just going to play. This is it. And then we're going to move on to house size, but I just have to play the end of my holiday remix version of just like Jesse James by Cher. So this is, the end of this. this is the end of the song. I'm going to shoot you down, Jesse James. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Just fucking Santa, fucking Saint Nick coming over the top of Cher singing about getting fucked. I can't. Ah, you guys, it makes me laugh so hard. And I totally forgot this whole thing had happened. This was like a whole thing. You know, when you work retail, I'm sure a lot of you out there have worked retail, especially in the holidays. You got to find ways to entertain yourself because otherwise you'll go nuts. It's no fun. And so, uh, A, I have to tell you all to be nice to your holiday seasonal help when you're checking out, when you're shopping at the stores. Be nice. They're all dealing with so much, especially in this time of the pandemic. Now we got another variant or whatever. There's lots happening. And so you need to be nice to the retail workers because they don't want to fucking be there. They don't want to be checking you out and having to help you find your different size or, or I don't know, use your coupons. You know, you go in there, people are complaining about the coupon not working or it's not the right coupon or expired or they return and stuff. Retail is hell. It's absolute hell. So those people have to entertain themselves. And so you'd be nice to them because they're working for not much. And it's a living hell. It's a living hell at this time of year. And you guys know that. Uh, so I, that's all I have to say about that. But I do want to let you know that I do have a holiday playlist on Spotify. That does not include that because I don't know how to upload it. Maybe there's a way I can upload it. Uh, as it stands, though, the only way I can add that song to it is if it's not the Christmas version. And I'd like to call on our dear Cher to release a holiday version of that. And I do believe that any song could be a Christmas song if you add a jingle bell sound to the background of it. And so, uh, you know, I'm hoping that Cher re-releases it. I know she doesn't like that song. She always says she hates singing it because it's a lot of words. It's a lot of words to sing. Uh, but I love it personally. And I'm hoping that one of these days, maybe... And I remember telling Jennifer, she's like, what is the, you know, what does the song have to do with Christmas? And I remember, I think it was her, maybe it was some, one of the other employees I'm trying to say it's a Christmas song. And I think I made up some crazy story like, oh, Jesse James was one of the wise men. Originally there were four of them. And Mary, you know, the fourth wise man, Jesse James stopped in a countryside town and lived a life. And then Mary, after she had Jesus, went over and uh, met Jesse James in the country store. Uh, and he was flirting with her. You know, I think I made some story about the three, <laughs> the three wise men. I'm going to shoot you down, Jesse James. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Ah, <laughs> oh, you guys, I'm laughing. I'm giggly.
I am giggly. It's from the Sci Ecto Cooler. All right, where were we? 17 minutes in. We haven't even talked about Real Houses of Orange County. I know you guys are going to leave me a bad review about that. I'm going to get the bad reviews. Why the hell are you talking about that, Danny? You know, I'm going to get the DMs. You guys are going to send me the DMs complaining. You're, I, I listen to that to hear about housewives. How dare you talk about Cher singing a Christmas song and getting fucked by Jesse James? <laughs> Okay. All right. So let's talk about Real House of Orange County. Now, I feel at peace that they're back. We open with that Shamps, uh, Heather Dubrow walking into that big ass house. We got the drama. We got the old music. She's like, hello, guys. I'm back. Then we see the dogs. We see her inviting people to dinner. They have a chef. We see the kids again. We see Terry. I never thought I'd miss Terry. When I saw Terry, I was like, man, I missed that man. And I watch botched. So still, yet still, I needed to see him on this Real Housewives program. So happy he's back. Heather talks about the house, 22,000 square foot. Now, she didn't even know how many fucking rooms are in that house. That's money. That is money. Meanwhile, the past couple seasons on this show, we've been living at Gina's Casita. And you guys know I love me some Casita. I love Gina. I irrationally stand that woman, despite the fact that I don't think she should still be on this program. I can't even believe that she's lasted as long as she did with that hip. Uh, the other one, hip. Yet they're still on this show, and I believe that's because the casting was just so bad they couldn't get rid of these two. But I, I do love me some Gina, and Emily seems like a nice, lovely, wonderful woman. However, and she's from Ohio. She's from Ohio. Emily's an Ohio gal, so we do support that. Uh, but it is shocking to me that they've stayed on this show as long as they have, and yet here they are. Uh, but last season we were, or the season before, when we were seeing Gina moving to Casita, and now we got Heather Dubrow in this twenty-two thousand square foot house with a movie theater. It's huge. And she's talking about how they might buy a house in Idaho, and I just needed the money. That's how I feel about this. With I don't necessarily always need so much of the drama if I'm going to get some real estate porn. That's how I feel about Selling Sunset. Are you guys watching Selling Sunset? I could watch those women traipse around town just staring into the distance. That's all they're doing on that show, but I love it. Chriselle's just walking around taking people through a house, and I could watch it forever. The fact that Selling Sunset doesn't have unlimited episodes is devastating to me because that show is one of the best things on TV and nothing happens. Nothing at all. They just all complain about uh, Christine, one of the realtors. It's just a bunch of realtors complaining about one of the other realtors. They kind of The biggest drama of this last season of Selling Sunset was that one of the realtors showed up to a dog birthday party. That was it. It was like, that was the big thing. And I, Mary is a woman on Selling Sunset. She's like, she's like I can't believe she... she Christine, shut up at my dog's birthday party. She was like so pissed about it. And I was like, that was the biggest drama. And then they didn't even confront each other. Nothing even happened. She's just like, I can't believe she didn't. She showed up at my dog's birthday. Uh, anyway, I like that when I'm getting real estate porn. Okay. If I'm not getting real estate porn on Bravo, I'm going to need the drama. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a give or take. It's a give or take because I don't want Bravo thinking what I'm saying on this podcast is I don't want drama because I want all the fucking drama. Unless you're showing me a 22,000 square foot house with a movie theater, I am going to need the drama. And even with the 22,000, I'm going to need a little drama. I'm going to need a little bit because sometimes I feel like Bravo might be listening and then they're like, okay, so they don't want drama anymore. And it's like, no, I need, I'm going to need an arrest. I'm going to need some lawsuit scandals and the whole nine if I'm not getting the real estate porn. And the real estate porn's got to be good. Selling Sunset at a $75 million house. Here on Orange County, we got 22,000 square foot at Heather Bros. Okay, that's real estate porn. I don't want just one of these little farmhouses in the valley. That's not real estate porn, okay? 
Vanderpump Rules, I'm talking to you. You need to bring the drama. That show's not bringing the drama anymore. And we're just seeing the farmhouses, which the farmhouses are nice, don't get me wrong. But that's not enough. Get what I'm saying? You guys get what I mean. Anyway, it's nice to catch up with the kids. Uh, then we cut to Casita and Hip. They're driving. And that's when the show got bad again. You know, when we see Casita and Hip, and again, I think they seem like lovely women, but Casita wasn't able to drive, but now she's able to get back on the road. And I, again, I love her. We found out that Shane passed the bar because they lowered it, and now he's an attorney. Gina and her boyfriend, or I think it's her boyfriend, Travis, they're good. I think I like him. Do we like him? I think I like him. He seems nice. And they showed a little flashback from last season and shook me to my core. Shook me to my core. That season, you guys. Whoo, whoo, chills. I got the chills. I got the goose pimples, not the good kind of chills like Whitney from Real House of Salt Lake City. I got the bad kind of chills because that season was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, in my whole life. And that includes every television program I've ever watched last season. And the women, the cast, I've seen them in interviews. They're like, well, we filmed during a pandemic. And I'm like, well, it was still terrible. <laughs> no excuse for me. I feel bad. Again, I, I'm empathetic to the fact that you filmed during the uh, pandemic, but then maybe we shouldn't have aired it, right? Maybe we shouldn't have gotten greedy and aired the whole season. Maybe that's just me. Am I? Maybe that's me being rude. Maybe I'm being rude to Bravo and I should cut him some slack, give him some grace. Uh, but I'm not interested in doing that today. Okay, so then we cut to, oh, Gina, when Gina's uh, driving, she's talking about the statement she gave against Matt and I did cry. She cried, and then I cried, and we all cried together. She walked away from the confessional because she was talking about the kids and the Matt, who's the ex-husband who did the, you know, that ex-husband who's an asshole. And Gina Casita said, kids will know that their mom stood up for herself and her dad took responsibility. Powerful words, and I'm loving Gina right like that. I'm back on board with Casita. And now I want a whole show all about Casita. And then we cut to Shannon, to, uh, Shannon uh, shopping with the daughters. I don't like Shannon. I don't care for her or her and her solos. I just don't care for it. And I don't believe she has any connection to any of these women on this show. I don't believe she likes any of them. I don't believe they like her. She's trying to pretend she's friendly with all of them. They all hate her. They, they're all lying to our faces. That's my biggest problem with this whole thing. Gina and Emily, I believe that they're friends. Heather Dubrow, she's, I don't care if she's friends with anyone. She's giving me a big-ass house. That's enough. Shannon doesn't fit in with this at all to me anymore. And it's like, I know that Shannon has given us a lot of great TV, and I'm excited to see the Heather-Shannon dynamic. Uh, but it's very, like, a very fake kind of, let's pretend this is a group of people hanging out, which was the problem last season. It was like, none of those people seem like they hang out with each other. And I know that they wanted, they didn't want to completely reboot this franchise, but it's like, it doesn't make sense for Shannon to be there with these people. And I think... Almost that like Shannon should be there if if they did have Tamara or Vicky back, it feels more natural to me. But the way that it is, I'm like, what the fuck is Shannon even doing there? I don't get it. But I am excited about her and Heather. Okay, so then we cut to Heather and Nicole, who's her friend who's working out. Now, Nicole, I guess, gets downgraded. So Nicole, I think, was supposed to be a main housewife and then wasn't because there's some lawsuit happening. Uh, but Nicole has a sixth grader, and they show a picture of Heather and Nicole with a million people to pretend that they're friends. I mean, this was another fast and loose. We're just a real light, light thin thread of Heather and Nicole being friends before this show. It was a picture of a hundred fucking people, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we've been friends forever." And I was like, "No, you haven't. You're lying to my face. You're lying to my face." So Heather's doing a Nobu party now. Nicole is friends with Noella who's the woman who dated Bronwyn, even though she's also married. I, I don't quite... The Bronwyn stuff, you guys, I can't even understand any of it. I'm glad she's gone. 
Uh, I hope she's doing well and I hope she's found peace, but I'm glad she's not on this show. And I don't understand. I, I'm worried. I'm a little worried. I'll be honest. I'm, we got to sit and talk about this for at least 17 minutes. I'm a little bit worried that one of these days the producers are going to bring Bronwyn back for a scene with Noella because they're, they're showing us this thread between Noella and Bronwyn. And I'm concerned that that's what they're setting us up for. And maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong, but I'm concerned about it. And I think we all need to be. And I think it's time, high time that we all speak up about it because Bravo, if you're listening, again, I don't know if you are or not, but Bravo, Bravo, can you hear me? I need you to know that we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. Okay, so then uh, we get a flashback montage. Oh, this was funny. So uh, Heather says, you know what's funny? Uh, you know who's been texting me really recently? My friend Shannon. That's what she says to Nicole. And I was like, okay, Heather, you're lying to our faces. Obviously, you have to pretend that you and Shannon were ever friends. We do get a great montage of Heather and Shannon's relationship, which is thrilling to me. But I do miss Tamara and Vicky a little bit. A little bit. And I, you guys are going to yell at me about that. You're going to say, you missed those two? And I sort of did. A little. A little. A little bit. A little bit. I don't want them back full time. But I do want Tamara to just sort of like strut on in a scene and then like with Shannon's not paying attention. And I bet you they'll do that at some point, maybe in the reunion or next season. I could see in the reunion happening, but maybe next season sometime, I feel like they're going to strut Tamara out and Tamara's going to be like, you bitch. And she's just going to, Shannon, like go over her shoulder, sneak up on her like Michael Myers in Halloween, you know, going after Kyle the Splits Richards. It's going to be like Tamara as Michael Myers and Shannon as Kyle the Splits. I feel like that scene's going to happen. Feel like it's going to happen. Then we cut to Hip and Casita, who are at Jen Armstrong's Botox Center. Now, Hip did a mini facelift, a boob reduction, and Casita's there to get Botox. And this is our tie to Jen Armstrong, who seems like a lovely woman, although I couldn't really get it, make heads or tails of this new person. I mean, between her and Nicole and Noella, when you're meeting so many people at once, I'm not even sure if I'm getting all their names right because it's too many people for me to meet at once. You know, it's like when we start a new Housewives franchise, it takes at least like 50 episodes for us to understand the names. On Salt Lake City, uh, Meredith and Lisa were uh, mixing up to me up until this season. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. I only really remember Jen Shaw's name because she got arrested. She was arrested. And so that's how I learned her name. And so now uh, on Orange County, they're expecting me to learn all these people. A whole season went by. I didn't even learn that other one's name last year. What was her name? With the one who was like had the ties to a cult or whatever. I don't know her name, but she's gone. And that's the other thing, too. Bravo introduces us to these people, and then they're gone right away. What do I got to learn their names for? Then they aren't there in the next season. It's like I learned someone named Lizzie's name, and then suddenly they're gone. What's the point? Why did I keep – I got enough in my head. I don't need to be putting names up there that are going to be gone. So then we cut to Heather's uh, – she's at Nobu. It's very sitcom -y. Her outfit is very that girl, which I liked. Noella's there, and Noella and Nicole reveal that they met at an airport bathroom because they were wearing the same friendship bracelets. And that I don't understand. And actually, I quite frankly don't believe because I've been in an airport bathroom a time or two. I was just in one when I was traveling home for Thanksgiving for the holidays. And when I'm in an airport bathroom, the last thing I'm doing is looking at anyone's jewels. And maybe the women out there are different, but I still don't believe when you're in an airport bathroom, you're trying to get in and out. They don't clean those places enough. It smells like piss everywhere. You're trying to get in and get out. You're trying to piss before you get on the plane or so, or so you can go get a sandwich at the airport chilies. You're not in there looking at people's jewels and trying to make friendships. And not to mention... 
I hate to say it, but usually we're at least some level of impaired. You know, my boyfriend, he has his own plain drug cocktail, which is half a Xanax. It knocks him out. It feels like I'm walking around like weekend at Bernie's holding him up throughout the airport. Uh, but even myself, I'll take an ibuprofen to keep down the swelling or something uh, f- to get through the plane ride. And so people are, imp- their judgment's impaired, and then they're running in and out of the bathroom so that they don't catch the smell of piss. And so now I'm hearing that these two women forged a friendship in an airport bathroom. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I'm not buying what Bravo's selling me here because there's no way an airport bathroom. Those places are disgusting. There's urine everywhere. Everywhere. Even away from the toilets. I don't, maybe it's not like this is in the women's bathroom, restroom, whatever. But in the men's restroom, there's urine everywhere. Everywhere. And even places where there's not even a urinal. It's just you see it, and it's shocking how it gets there, but it's there. And it's like you're walking in a bar, you know, when you walk in a dirty bar and your feet are sticking to the floor. I feel like that's what happens in a men's airport bathroom. So, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they keep the women's room clean, but the men's restroom, mm-mm. No, ma'am, it's disgusting. It's foul and disgusting, and I hope to never enter one again. I'd rather enter almost anything else, including a woman. I'm not interested in entering an airport bathroom. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, Noella is married. She's with some guy, Sweet James. Now, I wrote this down. Maybe I got this wrong. He's a billboard personality? He's a billboard. What does that mean? I wrote that in my notes. He's a billboard personality. Is that like Mary-Kate and Ashley's billboard dad? Is that what that's like? Because I don't know what that means. I wrote, he's an attorney billboard personality. Don't know what the fuck that means. Is that a thing? Apparently, that's what his name is, or that's what this man is that Noelle is with. Also, I'm confused, because she was dating Bronwyn, but so she was married when she's... I don't get it. And what are they doing over there in Orange County? They're all married, and they're dating. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm sex positive here on this program, and everyone should define their relationships how they want to. It just seems like a lot of people over in Newport County are doing the same thing, where they're married and then also dating. Maybe just don't get married. If you want to date other people, I get it. But may, I'm, but I here I am judge. I shouldn't judge. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Everyone define your relationship how you want to define it. It just seems like it's a lot of different uh, rules are um, rules are just a suggestion there. I guess. Um, anyway, meanwhile, Hip Casita and Storms Bador are all together now. Shannon hates Hip and Casita. She really does. She hates them. And at one point, Emily says, "Cheers to the new Trace Amigos," and they don't like each other. They're all lying to our faces. And Shannon says, lying straight to camera, she says, cheers to two girls who have worn my heart and made me realize you can start off rocky and end up with amazing friendships. She's lying right to her face. And then in her confessional, she said she hadn't had a relationship with them until two months earlier. I'm looking at them both in a new light. Shannon says, lying to her faces just to stay on this show. (sighs) You guys, I just do not care for Shannon. I just don't. I know I said a hundred times, but I just, I can't. I can't do it. I don't know why I'm especially annoyed at her this season. It just feels so forced. And otherwise, the premiere is great. It's just that whole, all of their relationships are forced. But again, I love the premiere. So don't take that the wrong way. I did love it. And it seems like we're on the right track. It just needs some massaging. So then Shannon and Heather are on the phone pretending to naturally uh, get together with Gina and... That's This is our way of like getting the whole cast together. Now, Heather says, or no, Shannon says to Heather, I had lunch planned with my friend Gina. Can I bring her with us? <sighs> We're all just lying. I wish they would just break the fourth wall. That's what's so refreshing about that Housewives Ultimate Girls trip, which if you haven't been watching on Peacock, you need to. 
because we just broke down the fourth wall and we're talking about filming a program. And here on this show, it's like we're having to pretend and every single person watching The Real Houses of Orange County knows that Gina and Heather have to meet eventually because they're in the same cast. So why can't they just say, hey, we're doing the show together. Uh, can we get together? Why are we having to pretend Shannon is saying to Heather, like, oh, I had lunch plans with Gina. Do you mind if I bring her along? It's all forced bullshit. And every single human, my mother in Ohio, if she was watching this show, she would understand that that was like such bullshit. Anyone watching it, we're in 2021. Is that the year we're in? Sometimes I get confused. Sometimes it feels like we're still in 08, (laughs) doesn't it? Sometimes don't you think you read the year and you're like, how the fuck did we get to 2021? How did that happen? I thought we were just in, we entered 06. Here we are, 2021. But anyway, 2021, the evolution of reality TV has taken us a lot of different directions. But anyone watching reality TV knows that this is a false pretense. And so I wish that we would get rid of it. It's like exhausting to me that Bravo is trying to hold on to that fourth wall. And they don't want to break it when in actuality, they could break it just a little bit so that we don't have these like absurdly forced interactions where Shannon's saying, I already had plans with my friend Gina. Can I bring her along? Because we all know it's bullshit. And then those are the moments I'm taking uh, taken out of this episode. I'm like, oh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I'm exhausted. So I just wish the producers, whoever's doing this, if it's brought, maybe it's a director of, from the heads of Bravo, just stop it. I mean, we can. I'm not saying break it down completely. I'm not saying that we should just completely acknowledge that we're filming a TV show. But we should at least a little bit just acknowledge the fact that Gina and Shannon aren't friends and they didn't pre-have a lunch planned. Like, we just acknowledge that we're getting the cast together because they're casting a TV show. I'm getting so worked up about it. I'm getting so worked up about it, you guys. I need a cool-up. I need a cool-up. I think it's this high C ecto cooler. I'm like sweating. <laughs> I feel like Whitney Houston performing. I'm like dripping wet. Getting what is in that? Well, I need to look at that. I need to look at what's in the um, ingredient label. It does say there's no juice in it. It says like no actual fruit, something like that. It says. <laughs> anyway, uh, now we're pretending that Nicole and Shannon also know each other. And Shannon says, I was good friends with Nicole Wise. That was her name. Uh, she's all fake. It's fake. Then we cut to Jennifer's house. She's got a dog named Mr. Puppers and a husband named Ryan who's hot with the blouse off. He's always got the blouse off. The whole His first scene, he's got the blouse off. And I'm not mad about it, to be honest with you, because it seems like that's his best asset. Now, I haven't learned much about his personality, but as it stands, I was like, okay, Ryan, keep that blouse off. And this woman, Jen, sort of looks like that woman they fired last season. Again, don't know her name. And I refuse to learn it, by the way. Some of you out there, you might DM me and say, Danny, that woman who was fired last season, her name is such and such. Um, but just know that I'm not interested in learning it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But so Jen has three kids. Uh, one is named after the blow deck boat Valor. And it's not really. It's not really. But I had to say that. Valor, that was the kid's name. Which below deck? Wasn't that the name of a boat? I believe so. Uh, so yeah, she's got three kids. Jen says the women come into her practice and pay with other men's credit cards. So she's got this Botox facility. She says that the people all throughout Orange County, the women come in there and they're getting work done. They're getting the facelifts and the Botox and the brows and the fillers and the, all of it. And they're paying it with other men's credit cards. So not their husband's credit cards. Uh oh. Uh oh. 
It's not divorce lawsuits in Orange County. Anyway, uh, yeah, Ryan, the husband, does high-end vacation rentals. And that's okay. I don't know. That's okay. Uh, you guys, let's take a quick break here, and then we got to come back and talk more about The Real Houses Orange County. Uh, we still have lots to go, so sit tight, little bear. Oh, and before we do, I want to thank ACAST for all episodes of Everything Iconic. Go to ACAST.com slash Everything Iconic. Pre-order my book. It's called How Do I Unremember This? Out March 8th. Available. Go to IndieBound.org if you want to order it from your local bookseller and support an independent bookstore, or uh, there's other links there as well. So I have links for everything in the episode description. Also, we have a sale going on this week for all of the Everything Iconic merch. We have limited edition holiday tees at EverythingIconic.store. EverythingIconic.store. They make great Christmas gifts, really high-end wine glasses, t-shirts, all sorts of cute stuff. So check that out, EverythingIconic.store. We'll be right back. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in L.A. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, they just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, and also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts 
out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. And we're back. Now we're at Javier's, a restaurant. Heather and Shannon are there with Gina. The night before, Heather, Shannon, and Emily were there. This was without cameras. Heather paid the bill because Shannon dined and dashed. Shannon, that's so like her. She probably said, this is not my play, you fucking bitch. Not my play, you fucking bitch. (laughs) She probably dashed out of there. Didn't have to pay the bill, left it for uh, Champs de Bro to pay it. Meanwhile, Casita and Heather are becoming quick BFFs, BFFs, and I'm loving this duo. Uh, they get the skinny spicy with Patron, and then Heather's inviting them to their party. And then Gina awkwardly invites Jen, which is, again, who produced this setup? It's like we're all just pretending too much here. Uh, but Shannon says she's worried about Nicole. So now Nicole's one of the new women, the one who, I guess, I think she's like literally kicked off this program or something. Have you guys heard that rumor? I'm not sure if that's exactly what happened. Something happens where it's like she was downgraded or kicked off. I'm interested in watching it unfold, but apparently this Nicole, I don't know if she makes it through the end of the season, but uh, Gina tells us that Nicole sued Terry Dubrow. She sued him. Sued him. Meanwhile, uh, wait, somebody, Nicole also dated Kid Rock right after Pam Anderson. And Gina's becoming the bone collector of this series because I'm happy Gina's doing it. Good job, Casita. Give Casita a raise because she's really the one instigating all this stuff between Nicole, the DeBros, and and uh, Pam Anderson somehow is getting dragged into this somehow. I don't quite know. Uh, but Gina's really doing it. She's really doing it. So Heather then, after they uh, are sitting at this lunch, after they finish eating, Heather invites Gina and Shannon over to the house for a tour. Now, they had to have the camera crew set up for that. So this is another... Th- I don't know why this was just all feeling especially staged to me because it's like we know... The way that Heather had to say, like, do you guys want to come over for the house tour? It's like, we know that they had to have be set up for the house tour. Like, the camera crew had to know they were going there. And I'm glad we were finally getting the house tour. It just all felt very stagey. That was a problem I had. But I, again, I love the episode. Don't, I'm not trying to badmouth it too much. I'm just saying we need to work on these transitions, guys. Anyone listening, the editors, whoever, we need to work on these transitions. Work on uh, our, our acting style or whatever we're doing to set all this stuff up because it's not, it's not hitting for me. It's not hitting right. It's, this is more than any other series or, or episode or premiere episode. I'm really feeling the production on this and I don't mind that they're stepping in. I don't mind that they're organizing some chaos. I'm just going to need, maybe I'm going to need the women to be better actors or something, sell it better to us because I'm not buying it. Uh, so I'm just going to need them to, I don't know, fix it somehow. I'm not sure. That's not for me to figure out. I'm just here to criticize, right? That's not for me to figure out. And I'm not trying to uh, say that it's going to ruin the show eventually, but I am implying it. But I am implying it. So then we get to the house for the tour. And of course, Gina's in awe because she lives in the casita. And I was so excited to see it because 
of all the things that Bravo has done in history, firing Heather Dubrow after we saw her getting that house together is one of the most egregious things they've ever done to us. They've ever done to us. They they showed her building that new big ass house and then they took her away from us. And I know people have all told me that Heather had done a house tour on YouTube, but I never watched it because I always, I think I held out hope subconsciously within my soul. I thought one day they'll bring Heather back and we'll see it. And boy, was I right. Boy, was I right. And I was so excited. So we see a lot of crazy stuff. Let's just, we're going to go through all this. So sit tight, little bear, pull over if you're driving. We got to talk about this house. So there's a lot of iron and Heather says she drew all the moldings and everything. And I believe that she's lying. I believe that's her lying to us. You know, it's sometimes, it's like when celebrities come out with a fragrance line and they say, you know, I was involved from the ground up. And what they really mean is the manufacturer sent them like three samples and they smelled them and said, I like option B. And then that's the one they filled, the manufacturer filled. Okay, that's how that works. I used to work in a factory. I've never, we've never really talked much about this, but I worked in a factory that uh, manufactured private label uh, cosmetics and and perfumes and Bath and Body products, all the whole nine. So I know how this works, you guys. And uh, I always hate when I see a celebrity on a talk show or something being like, "I worked on this from the ground up." I'm like, no, you fucking didn't do shit. Or anyone with a skincare line. They don't do anything, you guys. (laughs) The chemist at the manufacturer, they're the ones who put it together. And then they give a bunch of options to the celebrity. So that was another thing where I'm watching Heather give the house tour and she's like, I drew all the moldings. And I was like, you did not. It's like a designer did that. I don't believe it. Maybe Heather, I'm sure she did some sort of sketch somewhere, but I don't actually believe it was like the exact thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being pessimistic, but I, you guys can all believe it if you want. I'm not buying it. Another thing I'm not buying, although I would love to buy this house if I had, how many millions of dollars do you think this house would cost? If they put it on the market today, I know it's a bad housing market. How much do you think Davina or Chriselle over on Selling Sunset could get for this house in Orange County? I feel like Chriselle could get a pretty penny for it. I'd like to see Chriselle list this house, maybe a Selling Sunset Orange County crossover. They're going to, oh my God, we didn't even talk about this. Selling Sunset's going to have an OC crossover or an OC um, spinoff. Yeah, one of those, uh, the little realtor men is heading on over to the Orange County and he's going to be heading up selling Sunset OC. So we're getting the spinoff in OC. Ah, I can't wait. God bless those little realtor men. Uh, God bless them. And and, uh, by the way, I'm very attracted to those little realtor men. I know Chriselle's dating one of them, but the other one's off in OC. And if Matt and I ever break up and that man decides to go gay, I'm just saying, ready to join the Oppenheimer group. I don't think they'd want me considering I'm not a blonde woman, but... Uh, you know, I'm really into that little realtor man. I don't know what he's got sex appeal. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. Somebody had to finally say it. I feel like we're just not, we're, none of us are acknowledging it. And I feel like somebody needs to acknowledge it that those two twins are hot. Those two little pocket twins, those poly pocket twins are hot. And I, you know, I love a short man. I do. And uh, I'm really into those, the Opp- Oppenheimers, what Jason and Brett, whatever their names are. And I know Chriselle scooped one of them up, put them in her pocket, but I'm ready to put the other one in my pocket. You know, God bless Matt. No, I'm not saying I'm leaving him, but if it happens, it happens. And I'm ready to join the Oppenheimer group, get my realtor license, and head on over to OC. That's where I'm going. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that spinoff. Anyway, I wonder what they could get for this house. I'd like to see him try. Um, so then... What else? Oh, so there's four birds. Okay, this is insane. So in the windows in Heather's house, there's four birds that are etched in the window. In the window. 
and the birds are for every kid and embryo. Now, look, in my house growing up, I know the Dubrow kids are being raised in this gorgeous house, but in the house that I grew up in, uh, the only birds in the house was the one that flew in after my mom made a fall reef and it got stuck in my brother's room. And my mom and I had to catch it with a pan. And I, those of you who remember, my mom and I had to go in my brother's room and catch a, a live bird. My dad came home and my mom was carrying a pan with a bird in it. And my dad says, what are you making for dinner? Why do you get the... And she says, it's a live bird, Gare. Those are the only birds in my house growing up. My parents live in a beautiful house now, but the one I was raised in uh, did not have four birds etched in a window. Um, but apparently Heather's doing uh, birds for every kid plus the embryos. <sighs> then uh, Gina says the only people who do window etchings are Heather Dubrow and the church, and we know how much fucking money they have. <laughs> Gina's a star. I love my Casitas. She's a Casita star. Casita comedy star. That's what she. Should, that's what her stand-up special should be on Netflix. Casita comedy star. I saw Netflix was doing on Twitter. They were doing this big thread about housewives and who they love and all this stuff. And they said something about giving Sister Mary on The Real Houses of Salt Lake City a stand-up special or Lisa or one of them. And now I'm thinking Gina Casita needs a Casita Comedy's stand-up special with Gina. That's what we need. Somebody, Netflix, I don't know if you're listening, make it happen. Make it You got us uh, selling Sunset OC. Now get us uh, Gina Casita's comedy special. I'll watch it. Um, so then also there's a hidden potty. You know how I feel about adults calling it a potty. Don't love it. Makes me uncomfortable. I also don't love it when adult women or men, they say they got a tinkle. I don't like the word, I got a tinkle. I hate that, in fact. And it makes, even when you got kids, I don't care if you're a parent. I don't like hearing you say tinkle. Not in public. Not in private either. I don't want to know that you do it in private. I know everyone's got their trigger words. A lot of people don't like the word moist. Moist doesn't bug me that much. But tinkle does. Tinkle, when you say, I got a potty or I got a tinkle. Not here for it. Just go to the, just go take a piss is what you should be saying. I mean, or don't say anything at all. And nothing at all is fine, too. Just go do it privately. To be quite honest, maybe we don't need language to say we're going to uh, defecate. Maybe that's just not some language that we need. Maybe we could just go do it and uh, excuse ourselves, say, excuse me, and then not have to explain anything else. We should just be able to excuse ourselves from a dinner table, from a party, wherever, without having to give details. Uh, Okay, so then Terry's off. Terry's got a whole office that's just for show. He doesn't even work there. They were going really fast to these editors. They were going real fast with this house. I was like, slow down, you know, because I, it was a lot happening. And then we see the butler's kitchen, which the butler's kitchen was enough. Uh, that kitchen would have, I would have loved just the butler's kitchen. They have a studio for the podcast, which is so nice. Heather's got her name everywhere. She says, if I ever forget my fucking name, I'm going to see it on the microphone or whatever. There's a parking garage, a, an insane gym, a laundry, the laundry area. How many people are they doing laundry for in that laundry room? I mean, it looked like uh, a castle, that laundry castle. Casita was looking at that laundry like, just let me live here. And I was too. I'm like, let me move into the laundry room. Like, this laundry room is gorgeous. Shannon is so jealous too. She's overwhelmed. She's jealous. They have a a stunning pool that looks like it's uh, a Las Vegas Caesars Palace pool or something. I was overwhelmed. And she has refrigerated drawers. Refrigerated drawers. Drawers. Am I saying drawers right? I feel like I'm saying it weird. Drawers. I feel. Am I saying it weird? It just came from Ohio. My Ohio accent's showing because I was just there for a while. Uh, anyway, she's got refrigerated drawers. Gina, meanwhile, is doing the over the coat, the coat over her shoulders, which you know I love. 
Um, what else? She made, oh, Heather reveals that she made them remake all her cabinets. She didn't like the cabinets. We see the chef. The chef, Nick, is hot. Would definitely sleep with him. Shannon is sad about this house because she is seeing it. She sees the, uh, she sees the basketball hoop and she's triggered. She's thinking about her old house and they show a montage of Shannon and her old house. And it's all such very unrelatable problems. But Shannon was triggered by this gorgeous home. And then we see the closet. You guys, the closet was the best part because she's got tags in her closet that say Heather's closet and a ladder like Belle. Gina brings up, she's like, it's like Beauty and the Fucking Beast in here. It's stunning. She's got the ladder in the closet. Oh, you guys, I was overwhelmed. This was a gorgeous house. This was the best. Honestly, the whole episode could have been shit, and this house tour made it for me. I know I complained about the production and the setups and all that, but really, I mean, like this house tour, that could have been the whole episode. I'm sorry to say it. I could have done without meeting all those other women until next week. I don't think I needed to know Jen or Nicole or the other one. I think I could have just done this house tour. I would have been enough for me. Anyway, then we cut to Noella talking about um, her Nicole. Are they at Nicole's house? I don't know, you guys. I don't even understand my notes here. Noella says something about bodies being buried with her ex-friends, and they showed Bronwyn, and I was like, uh-oh. Don't need to see that. Then we see Jen and her husband. Her husband is her husband's name Ryan, but they spell it R Y N E. What are we doing here with the spellings? What are we doing? Are we just putting letters together willy nilly? It kind of feels that way to me. I'll be honest, it kind of feels that way to me. And maybe I'm just a traditionalist, but it feels like lately everyone's names I'm seeing, everyone I follow who are having kids, they're posting pictures of their kids and uh, their names are, you know, Brittany, but it's like uh, 14 T's. I mean, it's like, when, what happened? How are we spelling these names? We're just throwing letters left and right. doesn't matter. It's like, oh, my my name is uh, Ryan, but it's spelled R-Y-N-E. Like, what? I, I hate to judge. I mean, honestly, I guess it's sort of a good thing. You know, we're getting unique with names. So on some level, I think that's a beautiful thing. Have a unique name. It just feels like spelling of names now. Uh, I sound like an old man, like back in my day. Get real fast in this. And cut two, whenever I have kids, it's going to be named something crazy. So don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge me when you hear my kids' names eventually, because they're probably going to be fucking nuts. And they're not going to be spelled normal. And so you all need to prepare yourselves for that, okay? I contain multitudes. And um, I'm willing to I'm willing to change my stance when I have kids, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, then uh, Hip and Casita talk about Nicole, the information they learned about Nicole on the way to Heather's. So obviously Shannon's stirring the pot, but she doesn't want to do it. She wants Emily and Gina to be the ones to bring the information about Nicole and the lawsuit and all that stuff to Heather's ice, uh, her Nobu party. So meanwhile, Heather's getting set up for the party. She's got the ice sculptors for the party that just says Heather Dubrow or HD. She has a champagne button too, which is insane. The champagne button is truly insane. I don't know. I don't know why they ever got rid of Heather Dubrow. It must have, I believe had something to do with behind the scenes, right? Because that doesn't make sense to me, why they would get rid of Dubrow. It must have been maybe producers didn't like her, or maybe she was difficult, or maybe Terry was difficult. I'm not sure, but that's what I'm led to believe. Uh, Shannon met Dr. Jen at Bronwyn's vow renewal, um, and they showed a flashback to it, but she doesn't remember because she had too much tequila. And also because Shannon, I think, is only concerned about herself. I don't think she cares about anyone else. 
The entire cast arrives at Heather's gorgeous big house at nighttime. Gina tells Heather, uh, she starts to tell Heather about this lawsuit stuff, but no one's like outright saying anything. I feel like they're all beating around the big bush. And this, a lot happens at the end of this episode. So I just, I don't even know where to begin, you guys. A lot happens. Emily calls Jen trash. Heather stops filming. We get it to be continued. And actually, it looked valid. The to be continued looked valid to me. It didn't look like we're just throwing it in there. However, I was upset because I wanted it. I wanted the rest of the next week's episode. We get a season preview. The season looks good. Uh, I'm excited. We uh, Gina and Heather become a dynamic duo. They do New York. No weather. Noella. What did I call her? No weather. No the high seas. <laughs> my high sea is wearing off. I'm losing my energy. I'm going on a sugar crash. I need some more ecto cooler because I feel like I'm losing it. Um, Noella though gave Heather's daughter porn. Huh? Tim Allen. Huh? What? Why did she give her porn? What is happening there? And then Emily, her big storyline this season appears to be that she eats a turkey sandwich in a sauna. And honestly, relatable. Relatable. Who among us hasn't entered a sauna and thought, "I wish I had a turkey sandwich." I know I have. A club, a nice turkey club. When I'm sweating, I want a nice turkey club. And so I don't care. Emily, uh, Emily, the hip Simpson, she may not have much going on, but her husband finally passed the bar because they lowered it and she's about to eat a turkey sandwich. So somehow that was more interesting than uh, Kelly Dodd, Bronwyn, and the other one they fired. Did they fire just three or was there somebody else? I feel like they might have fired somebody else. Am I like missing someone? Anyway, last season was bleak. This season looks good. They're back on track. Again, I would love like a Tamara appearance, and I know that might not be popular, but I would like to see Tamara and maybe even Vicky Gunvalson hop in, not full time, just like pop in for a like a sneaky hello. See what happens. See the fireworks that go off. That's what I would like to see. Uh, we're going to be recapping the Real Houses of Orange County here on Everything Iconic, so stay tuned. Uh, check out my holiday podcast. It's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, where my co-host Jen and I, we, we basically sort of drag holiday movies. So don't listen to it if you don't want to hear us drag holiday movies. So that's your disclaimer. Uh, I want to, again, encourage everyone to go to everythingiconic.store. We have a sale going on this week for all of the Everything Iconic merch, which make great holiday gifts. Go to everythingiconic.store. We got t-shirts, the wine glass, or we got all real high quality stuff. So we, di- I didn't want to sell like the cheap merch. So we got good stuff. And Matt, my boyfriend, he calls himself Madison. He's the one who ships all of it. And so he takes a lot of pride in shipping that stuff. And so if you want any of it, we got limited edition stuff. So, uh, we are moving very soon. And so we did not get a whole lot of supply quantities or is that how you say it? We did not get a lot of quantities. So everything right now is limited, but we got some good stuff there, including holiday t-shirts that I love. I think we only have like 30 of those left of the uh, holiday Christmas tees. They're super cute. Uh, you can layer them, wear them underneath a the sweater. They're red and adorable. Uh, also pre-order my book. Before I let you all go, I do have a special holiday interview for you all to wrap up this week's episode of Everything Iconic with Michael Urie and Philemon Chambers, who star in the new Netflix holiday rom-com called Single All the Way, which is out on Netflix and now worldwide. It also co-stars Kathy Najimy and Jennifer Coolidge, who we love. It's so super cute. So put it on while you're trimming the tree and baking your cookies. And I believe it's the first Netflix LGBTQ plus holiday rom-com. It's got gay leads and gay characters which is fantastic because I love the genre of holiday rom-coms. And I've been saying for years 
that uh, a lot of the networks need to get on board and give us some more LGBTQ movies within that space. And it seems like a lot of them are. You know, Hallmark's got a little more diversity this year, Lifetime, and now Netflix. And I'm so excited for people to see this one. So I hope you guys enjoy my chat with Michael Yuri, who is also in Ugly Betty, Let us, lest us not forget, and Philemon, who's a great new actor. And I hope you guys will all watch Single All the Way on Netflix. I know there's so much to watch this time of year, and they just dropped the new Saved by the Bell, too. We haven't even talked about that. Season two of Saved by the Bell, I'm loving it. It's so silly, irreverent, and absurd, and if you're looking for something to just check out for a half an hour and binge, it's it's great. It's on Peacock. But uh, Single All the Way is another in the long line of holiday rom-coms that we love and just put on the TV and relax to, and this one's a really funny, fun lovely, romantic one. So uh, please enjoy my chat with these two. And I will leave you with this. As always, I was I will put the interviews up on the YouTube channel as soon as I can, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. Go subscribe, like, comment. If you haven't checked out some of the other recent interviews, they're up there now. Uh, youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. I love you all. I'll leave you with this. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. The whole nine. And to lead us into the interview, we'll play a little bit of Shares, just like Jesse James' holiday remix that we talked about earlier. Icons. I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Icons. Did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and 
includes all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, they have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Lehman, we'll start with you. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, I am happy to be here chatting with you and also happy to be seeing this this gentleman that's on the screen. I need to know if you were a fan of the genre before jumping into this movie. Yes. Big fan. Big yeah. fan. And okay. What's doing- the favorite? Okay. I'm a sucker for, um, I forget the name. It's the one with Ryan Reynolds when he goes home um, and he was like the, the big kid. Just what friends. Is- just, just friends. friends. Yeah. Also one of the greatest Anna Ferris performances of all time in that movie. It's it's mm-hmm. so good. It's, so it's got single all the way vibes. And, and Micah, you have to see it. Micah, how are you doing today? And also, I want to talk about gay representation in this genre. We were talking a little bit before we got on here, but I want to know why from you it's so important that we get these movies. Thank you. I'm doing very well today. Any day talking about single all the way is a good day. Um, and I'm very happy to see Philemon and I love your hat, Danny. Um, yeah, representation matters. So I, I feel like representation matters. Queer people love Christmas um, and queer people already watch straight people celebrate Christmas and their rom-coms. I think it was high time that we started making our own. So in the last couple of years, it's, it's happening. And that representation uh, is great. And I'm super proud to be uh, alongside Philemon and Luke McFarlane and all of our gay icons um, in this movie, pioneering Netflix's first gay holiday rom-com. You don't get much bigger than Netflix. Uh, we're going to be in uh, hundreds of millions of homes, and which is crazy. And we're going to be spreading Christmas joy, but also a homophobia-free world. Um, a, a, a family that doesn't judge their son for being gay, loves their son unconditionally, loves the the, the best friend that uh, he brings home unconditionally. And um, and, and the humor and the, the, the conflict and the romance all come from a place 
of uh, of acceptance of um, of and of homophobia free conflict love. Wait, wait, what did I say? <laughs> they all come, all of the all the conflict comes from a place of 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 no shame, of a place where where mm-hmm. everyone is accepted. They came out of the closet in another in another in a prequel, long in another ago. movie. Which I mean, that was revolutionary to me that that's not a plot point in this movie. And I also got to say, like that first scene, Michael, your character is working and there were a handful of gay characters on screen as it opened. And I, it was truly like, I don't know if people realize kind of how oftentimes if we do get a gay rom-com or something, it's like we have the two gay leads and that's about it, right? Like they're, the other characters have to be straight. And it was like lights up. There's a bunch of gays on screen and I loved it. And it it was pretty mind blowing in a lot of ways. And I don't know if people, unless they follow this genre and the hallmark and lifetime of it all really can understand what that means. Right. I mean, we open on a photo shoot. My character is is supervising a photo shoot of, of Insta gays, these actual gay Instagram stars. And um, the, the, the first scene has four speaking parts Two Instagram stars, their agent, and me, and all of us are gay. Um, and we shot that relatively late in the movie. And uh, Adam, Cap- Adam Capriola, who plays the agent, is a Montreal, a wonderful Montreal actor who uh, came to our movie for a few days late in the shoot. He said, it's so cool being on this set. He said to me, like, this is wild. All the people in power are are gay. <laughs> our executive producer and writer, Chad Hodge, is gay. Michael Mayer, um, who directed the film, is gay. Numbered one, two, and three on the call sheet were gay. Um, and, and and we'd gotten used to it. It was really great. I mean, but it's true. Like, it's yeah. true, especially on a Christmas movie. Everybody, every, it was a completely safe space. I want to go through some holiday movies that we all love and I'm sure you guys have seen before. And I just want to get your takes. The first one is one of my all-time favorites. It's sort of an underrated gem. And I'm curious if either of you have seen it. It's called The Diva's Christmas Carol. Michael, it's with your former Ugly Betty co-star, Vanessa Williams, we love. Have you guys seen it? And if you have, like, are there any thoughts about it? Of course. Of course I've seen it. I mean, my gosh. Is there a better Scrooge than Vanessa Williams? No, there isn't. I mean, a close second would be Michael Caine in A Muppet Christmas Carol. And, and then, you know, a, a resounding third would be uh, Bill Murray and Scrooge. But but no, Vanessa Williams in A Diva's Christmas Carol for VH1 is the ultimate <laughs> version of A Christmas Carol. And and it, it, it gave us Vanessa Williams, who I know very well and who is not a diva in real life or not a diva in the ways in which we assume a diva is it gave her finally gave her uh, 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 the outlet to, to play that incredible kind of character that she does so, so well. So yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a good movie. Michael, I need you to reach out to Vanessa and try to get the music from that movie on streaming because there's a song she has in that movie called Heartquake that is not available on streaming. There's like really bootleg versions of it online but I need Heartquake on streaming. That's been my like goal this holiday season. I've been asking everyone who has any access to Vanessa Williams or that film. Uh, we need Heartquake. Kiki Palmer was just on the show, and we're trying to start a grassroots campaign to get Heartquake streaming. 
<laughs> I love that. Okay, um, I'll text her. Um, she what she should do is she should do a Christmas album and put it on her album. I know, I know. We need it. What's your stance, Danny? I'm sorry. I, I, I know I know you're interviewing me, but what's your stance on um, Christmas movies that are not traditional Christmas movies, like Die Hard or Batman Returns? To me, Batman Returns is a Christmas movie, one of my favorites, and I also think mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, in that role of Catwoman is like one of the greatest female performances of all time and should have won an Academy Award. Like that movie, Flawless Chef's Kiss. Die Hard to me, like I like Die Hard, but it doesn't, I know that's like, you know, straight guys love to say that's a Christmas movie. And I suppose it's set around Christmas, but I just don't connect with it in the same way, I should say. It doesn't have holiday, it doesn't have the same holiday magic that uh, that Batman Returns has. And also, I mean, I would argue that Batman Returns is not just a, a Christmas movie. It's a gay Christmas movie. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to two, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say two lesbians. They host a, a podcast that's about being lesbians. That's why I was going <laughs> to state them that way. But they were saying it's the first lesbian Christmas movie um, <laughs> because of Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, yes, I love that movie. The, the single other way, one of the things I love about it is these gay icons, which I know, Michael, you had mentioned before. And there's a scene with Jennifer Coolidge, which I'm not going to spoil, but I'm just going to say, like, I literally had tears in my eyes laughing. Like, it's, it's, she's doing a play. I'll say that. And it was just so funny. And I wondered, um, do either of you have any stories or what was it like working with Kathy, Najimi, and, and Jennifer Coolidge, who we all just love? They're the best. So good. So great. Uh, Jennifer, uh- you know, going into it, you're like, okay, you're going to work with Jennifer Coolidge. I'm like, okay, okay, let me see how she is in real life. And how she is in real life is that, but just completely different because you'll never know what you're getting from Jennifer. She is literally, she she's so quick, like her approach. And then um, working with Kathy, she's so sweet. She is so sweet, so nice, so kind. Um, I mean, even with Barry Bostwick, Jennifer Robertson, um, they're just honestly gems uh, will make you laugh and make you pee your pants. All of them, literally. I had a great time. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge, I could barely keep a straight face during a take. Kathy and Jimmy, I was just like, oh, my God, you're just royalty and an icon. I don't know what to do. Barry Bostwick, I'm like, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I just kept on singing like, let's do time work. Yeah, but it was, it was so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, you couldn't really, I mean, like, like everywhere you turned some days, it was like there were just gay icons all over the place. And how nobody ever thought to cast Kathy and Jennifer as sisters before is crazy to me. They're like so good as sisters. They, 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 they have such, such a similar energy, even though they're also very, like, you can feel like you feel like they grew up in the same house. Um, and one of the things about Jennifer that was like, like what Philemon said is true. Like she constantly surprised you and and she would never really stop. Like you really had to stop her. You had to call cut. And whenever they would call cut, we would all laugh, especially her. But I always thought whenever they call cut, no, don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't cut. Keep rolling. Let's see what else. Who knows? I mean, could there's a whole movie of just her. There is she, her line reading in everything she does, but it's always so unexpected and she can just take a word and, and make it funny. It's, it's really a delight to watch. Uh, Michael, 
I was looking at your IMDb page today and oh, you were oh, in a, a I was the one and you were in a movie or you were in a TV show that I have to ask you, just tell me everything about working on MTV's undressed. <laughs> because that was a show that when I was in, I guess around high school or something, it was like sneak in the parents' basement. One of the only shows that really also had gay characters on it, but it was so scandalous when I watched it and it was like sneaking in the basement time to watch it. I will say to my knowledge, I never did undressed. <gasps> why is it on there? I, I don't know why it's on there. It's always been on there. And I, I have no idea how it got there. <laughs> I've never been, I never, I was never on undressed. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody who looks like me. And, and so I got, I got their, I got their credit. I really, I have no idea how that happened. Isn't that okay. weird? That is weird. And I love it. And uh, have you ever watched undressed? No, I never watched it. I never, I never watched it. But, but my partner loved it, like you. It, my, my partner Ryan loved it, like you. And that was one of the first things when we first started dating. He wanted to talk about. And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> sorry you know, about that. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. But I, 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 it's still there. I'll take it. I, hey, I'll take it. Right. Right. Um, and if there are any residuals, I will take those as well. But. Um, but no, that wasn't me. I think I read that they're rebooting it. So maybe we'll get you on the reboot at some point or something. Uh, <laughs> Michael, you've been in this industry forever. And I wonder what's your take on sort of the evolution of gay representation on screen? I mean, your co-star Luke McFarlane, I know he's starring in this big universal romantic comedy with Billy Eichner, which is so exciting. And and Luke is stunningly gorgeous and all of those things. He seems like a really genuine guy, but um, what's your take on sort of the evolution of gay representation from when you started to where it is now? Like, have you been able to feel and notice the momentum and things changing? Does that make sense? Uh, It makes, it totally makes sense. And it's, and and I have been able to notice it. Um, Luke and I actually were classmates at Juilliard. So I've known Luke for like 20 years and we um, graduated together. When Ugly Betty first came on, he was, he started on Brothers and Sisters. It happened at the same time, same network, both gay. Uh, you know, both of us were playing gay. And um, and that was the time when you when you played gay, they said, that's it. You can only play gay once. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't come out. Uh, it's crazy to think that when we were doing those shows, that's... And then, you know, here we are now, we're promoting our gay Christmas movie. He's off doing... You know, I do all kinds of gay stuff. He's off doing the, you know, like a, a giant um, gay rom-com for a major studio that will be in movie theaters and in which every actor, whether they're playing queer or not, identifies as queer, uh, which is which is like if you told if you told Luke and Michael in their supporting roles on network television that someday there would be a movie where not only uh, gay people were playing gay people, but gay people were playing straight people too. Uh, we would not have believed you. And so that, that evolution in and of itself is pretty remarkable, but I, I would say something that's, that I've thought about that's very interesting to me is this idea, you know, like, like I, I'm, I'm so happy to be playing a character like Peter in single all the way, who I feel like is, is actually very close to me. Um, and my sensibility, uh, after having sort of first 
my first big break was Ugly Betty, obviously, where I was playing this very flamboyant character who who came from a, a broken home where his mother didn't accept him. Um, and now he lived this fabulous uh, life in fashion, wearing crazy costumes and 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 being, you know, very overtly queer. Um, and, I, and in my audition for it, you know, I went for it. It was the, the only description was bitchy gay assistant. And I, and I was like, I'm going to make it as gay as I can. And on set, I've made it as gay. I mean, I did some gay shit on that show. And I look back and I think part of what at that time, because I was new and because I was in the closet professionally, I wasn't in the closet uh, personally, but I was in the closet professionally. Um, I think I had the courage to go all the way there uh, and, and play a character like that in a way that had I been out, I might not have. And I think when it comes to specifically like the flamboyantly campy characters, like, like my character in that, and that, and, you know, like a Sean Hayes in, in Will and Grace, um, uh, even like, like Chris Colfer uh, on Glee, like these characters that were like, unabashedly queer on television being played by queer people who were told not to be out. There was some kind of freedom in that for us to go all the way there with what we knew how to do and what we were able to do, because we could always sit, we could always sort of like, you know, well, no, that's it. Now I'm not going to play any more gay roles and for no, and I can, you know, I can do whatever, you know? And, and then I feel like there was a, a phase where, we were we were casting straight people in those flamboyantly gay roles. And it happened before, and 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 it happened after, you know, and it happened during. But like suddenly, we were we were looking to straight people to play roles that were super flamboyantly gay, and that was a frustrating moment for me because I felt like I felt like we were we were casting them in these these big roles, not just comedies, but serious serious stuff. Too. Too. And then we were giving them awards mm-hmm. for it. And there was something like, it was sort of like, you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to disparage anyone's work because this isn't about, sure. this isn't about that at all. I don't mean, I don't mean to say that they weren't good. Um, I just feel like, you know, like when they gave Eric Stone Street an Emmy and not Jesse Tyler Ferguson an Emmy, that's crazy to me because Jesse was brilliant on that show. And, and somehow the fact that he, was a gay man playing a, a slightly more subdued gay man than the straight guy playing super gay that we gave the straight guy who deserved the Emmy, by the way. Like, why didn't we give Jesse an Emmy? He should have gotten several for that. That show was on for 20 years. Like we're <laughs> supposed to applaud just because it was such a transformation for a straight actor to be. Right. And brave or whatever, you know, like, 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 oh, look at him. He's so brave or whatever, you know, like, but, but that, so that was an interesting moment. That, that, that's an, and, and I think that that moment may be, may be gone, but I remember I was doing, sorry, I'm talking forever. I hope this is no, okay. I, I love listening, please. I, I was, I was doing angels in America off Broadway with um, uh, Adam driver. I played prior Walter and he played um, Lewis and I'll never, I'll never forget this. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. And that character is described as having a sibilant S as uh, being effeminate as, as being 
as being little. Uh, there's a lot of like, like, there's a lot of descriptors of that character that imply certain things. Uh, and the role is kind of based, you know, it was originally Joe Mantello. It's kind of based on Tony Kushner. And then they cast Adam Driver because Adam Driver is a brilliant actor. But Adam Driver is massive. He's got hands bigger than my head. Uh, he doesn't have, he's, he's hopelessly heterosexual. And he played that role with, with his, himself. He used himself to play that role. He didn't feel the need to add anything to make himself seem gay. He, he, he took himself, he said, I am gay enough. This person could be gay. And he played the role beautifully, brilliantly. And, and I wonder, and I, 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 and I've always sort of wondered, that's just 10 years ago. I've always sort of wondered like, how did he know? You know, what did he, what did he know that so many other people don't know? And would he have been rewarded if, if it had been like more, you know, like it, it, we were replacements, if we'd been there from the beginning, like, like, why can't we just say this is this is who I am and let the audience suspend their disbelief and buy it? Nobody watched that show and thought that guy doesn't seem gay to me. He said he was gay. He's in a gay relationship. Everything that he does, everything's gay. And the same way that like a gay person, a gay actor, like someone like me playing a straight character, an audience will suspend their disbelief. Mm-hmm. Will an award will will awards people? I don't know. Will casting people? I'm not sure. Will producers? I don't know. It's interesting you mentioned that ABC era because that was sort of when I was coming to my realization that I would be gay. I remember watching Brothers and Sisters, and that character was so important. The Luke McFarlane Scotty character was so important because it was a show that I watched with my mother back in Ohio, and we would watch it on Sunday nights. And to her, it was one of the first experiences of seeing a gay character in a, in a show that she loved and that we could watch together. And I remember like watching her reaction to the things that it would, would happen on screen. And I know a lot of people feel similarly about Ugly Betty and that and, and the gay representation in that show. So I think at that time, a lot of us thought it would shift and we would have more gay actors in gay roles. And then it, it was interesting to see it. It stopped in a, in a weird way. Uh, and I hope now going forward, we are, it looks like, and I hope that we're going to start embracing all of these beautiful gay actors, like both of you and, and, and seeing more of that on screen, because I do think it's really important. Uh Quickly, I know I only have a couple minutes. Okay, the Britney song, can't you, uh, Santa, Can You Hear Me? Or Santa, Can You Hear Me? Yeah. Uh, you guys have a little moment in there. Do you guys love that song? And what do we think about Britney of it all? I love her. And that song, I was so happy it got its due in this movie. Well, I mean, I, I love Britney. Uh, of course, I am glad that she is free. I am <laughs> glad that she is free. Um, and I actually became a fan of the song uh, while filming. Literally, it's I play it like every I have to be careful with Christmas music because once I start it, it doesn't stop. Right. So <laughs> I have to be careful. So I do it in moderation. So it's about every two, three days now I'll play some yeah, Christmas yeah. music and I'm like, OK, let me get rid of it for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I got to let you two go. I ask all of my guests this as we wrap up your favorite Mariah Carey song. And who would you choose for People Magazine Sexiest Man Alive if you were choosing? Michael, go. 
Wow. Um, my favorite Mariah Carey song is All I Want for Christmas is You. I, 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 and and I, I, think it's, I think it's perfect. I think it's the greatest Christmas song ever. And I do think that, it, that because of it, we don't know that Britney song better. But, but hopefully with our incredible dance uh, in Single All the Way, it will become the number two Christmas anthem. And if I were to choose People's Sexiest Man uh, Alive, I would choose Ryan Felipe. Oh, so hot. So hot. Philemon, same question. Okay. So since you said all I want for Christmas is you, um, I'll say, uh, does it have to be Christmas or just no, favorite? anything? Okay. Infinity. Infinity <sighs> is really good. Classic ballad. Yes. <laughs> um, and sexiest man. Uh... You can say it. You can say it. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and say Danny Philemon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say Idris, Idris Elba. So hot. You guys, I got to let you go. Thank you so much for Single All The Way. I think it's going to be a, a really important and wonderful film for so many people, as well as just being a fun, joyous rom-com of the season. Thank you both. Single All The Way is on Netflix December 2nd. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much, Danny. Bye, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 